Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there. Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Mara Siegel. She is a coach, a consultant, a philanthropist, a master connector, an author, and a TEDx speaker. Welcome, Maris. I am so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? I am so great. And you know what? I'm na- I named the days of the week, so... <laughs> Shall I give you what today's could yes, be? Yes, absolutely. For anybody who's listening on a Friday, today is Flow Friday. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. I'm really excited about jumping in. So with that being said, I'm very curious, with you wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like? So so many hats is an amazing visual, right? Because that's not unlike every mother, father, sister, brother, executive, entrepreneur, everybody connects to wearing so many hats. And so I also have the amazing blessing to be able to work 24 seven with my husband and we work independently. And so in our lives, when you're navigating all those pieces, the big question is, do we have authority and the ability to set the tone of our day? And that's what we get to every morning. There's a new opportunity to shift, Mm -hmm. to choose every single day, all day long. So I love that you asked this question because I think we are all always working in many pieces with many hats. And the big question is, how do we live this amazing one life? We have one body, one planet in an integrated way. So I always say that, look, we have an opportunity to choose the rhythm of our day, no matter what. So when we wake up in the morning, we have something we do called the four G's and it's our practice that we use every day. We also use it with our corporate clients, family clients. It's really amazing. And the four G's are you first wake up in the morning. If you're on your own, you do this without looking at your phone. You take yourself to the restroom and you look in the mirror. And you say, good morning. If you're with your spouse, a partner, your team, you say, good morning. It's the first thing we do because if we're awake and we're on this side of the dirt, it's a good morning, right? It means we have a new opportunity. Yeah, we woke up on the green side of the grass today. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So that's the first thing is to say good morning. The second is to really do whatever is a grounding for you. For some people, so we've really coached people in some breath work or if it's meditation for you or if it's something that is prayer, whatever that is for you, to then from that moment before before ever touching your phone, you say good morning, and then you do a grounding. For some people, it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. For us, it's 20 minutes as we've grown into our meditation. I didn't first start with that because it took practice. So good morning and grounding. And then coming out of that grounding, as you're stepping into your day, you say, what gratitude am I choosing today? How am I choosing first gratitude for myself and my world? And sometimes that gratitude is, I'm grateful for my spouse, my family. But sometimes, and I just went through this last week, one of 
my gratitudes was, I am so grateful that I have the capacity to deal with what I have on my plate today. I get that it's going to be tough, but I have gratitude that I have the skills to really work my way through it. And yeah. it really set me up. It really yeah, set that's me the tone. up. So the gratitudes can be yeah. for yourself, your family, your team, your community, being alive, whatever that is, but to really feel into it yeah. and to do at least two of them. Right. And one of them always gets to be an acknowledgement of yourself first, because we don't often do that. Mm -hmm. And then step into another gratitude. And then after that gratitude, the fourth one is generosity. Mm -hmm. How will I be generous, not just to myself in giving myself a break and being giving myself some grace sometimes, but also how will I be generous to other people? How will I show up in generosity with my team, my family, my work, whatever that looks like? Yeah. So this is a practice that we do every morning. And and sometimes on the weekends, it, it slips. And yeah. then we also, once we do that, we step into movement, physical. So yeah. then we do something physical. And, and I will say that on mornings that things that I wake up feeling some anxiety, I will do my morning, I'll say my good morning and do my gratitudes. Then I'll pause and I'll go do something physical because that shifts my whole body energy. And then I will come back to my grounding and my generosity and I'll finish it that way. But without question, these are the things that we do. And, and it really remarkably shifts everything in our day. When I don't do this practice or we don't do it, I feel it. I really feel yeah. it. So what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and excelling at all that you do, Maris? I love this question. It's interesting because none of the work that I do, that Ken does, that we do together feels like work. It's a lifestyle. We live into this R factor lifestyle. It is a culture for us. This respect, this responsibility, reframing and resilience. That's the cornerstone of our work. And that is the life that we live. And, you know, and I think the drivers are when we know that the work we're doing lands, we know that we're touching a life, shifting a life, shifting a relationship, not because of what we are, but because of what we're sharing that somebody else can connect to, then life is good. Life is good because it we're is. committed to really healing the planet. And what does that take if not a relationship, one relationship at a time? That's right. It's an incredible feeling when you have, first of all, I think when you find what that thing is that sets your soul on fire, but when that impacts and gives back to people, that's like winning the lottery twice. There is no better feeling in the world. It is fucking incredible. Yeah, without question. And so yeah. Ken and I live by, in, in everything we do, when we can stand up to knowing that we have informed, inspired, empowered, and engaged people in a way that serves them, and that goes for family, for business, for whatever it is. And I think that we stand first at the cornerstone of our lives saying, in this relational leadership work that we're doing, we are all connected as humans first. We saw that during covid yeah, we are all connected sure. as humans first. And that's where the bottom line begins. Yeah. So that's sort of the center of all of this work, because when it stops being about us, it's amazing how things get to shift. You know? <laughs> I would love to know, Maris, what were you doing for a living before you made the jump into entrepreneurship? And what was the catalyst for that shift for you? My dad was an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. my entrepreneurship actually really ran in my family. My dad was a small business owner. My mom was a clinical social worker, had her own private practice and was really a remarkably intuitive human. My intuitive leadership comes from my mom's grace, I think. I really okay. believe that. She and my dad sit on my shoulder very often in our work. And so the, what was happening before is I really came by this entrepreneurship naturally. My right. great grandmother, I mean, it was just all in the family in that way. So I think from an independence perspective, what was I doing before? I actually believe that I was always doing this work. I think so the reality of, of who my, you are. 
Yes. And I think I didn't realize until probably 10 years ago that the relational piece of everything that I was doing in marketing and relationship marketing, in cause-related marketing, all the relationship pieces. And what I realized that as a kid, the trauma of not feeling like I belonged anywhere turned me into this person who wanted to create connection and impact to help everybody feel like they could belong. So in many ways, it was really this natural progression. And we'd been doing business leadership anyway, in all of the relationship marketing we were doing, we just never formally called it that. And it's always been a big kind of joke in my world. And with Ken and I together, and then separately, as we work in our own space, people always say, well, you guys are Switzerland. Because you're just neutral. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. And I eat a lot of chocolate. And so <laughs> when you can take that in and kind of be in that space, then I sort of lived this all my life. And to formalize it, I think in the last number of years has been a real gift to be able to do it because now we're really serving people in a very different way who are up leveling and growing their relationships and their business and their personal lives. Maris, I, I want to speak a little bit about your journey into the coaching world. So I've heard a lot of people say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own personal struggles. It led them into coaching. And I know we, of course, as humans, we've all been through our shit. We've all had our personal shit to deal with, of course. But what I found, though, is through a lot of the conversations with the women I'm speaking with is that their journey or their struggle was the catalyst for propelling them into the coaching world. So can you share a little bit about your own personal journey that you were on before making the leap into coaching? This is a great follow-on to just the question we were just talking about. I think that what I really did was I formalized much of what I was already doing. And I didn't realize that the support that we were giving to clients who were really working to navigate communication challenges within their team. Now, that would take me back to my youth of not feeling heard, feeling like I didn't have a voice really feeling like, and because of that, I was more assertive in my leadership, which did not always serve me, but it was not always the best way to do it. So the coaching piece of that was really looking at myself first and saying, okay, there are clearly some things that I'm great at and what's not working. And it was really in the what's not working that I learned to bring head and heart leadership together in the relationship side to say, wow, you know what? In business and in personal, these are the things people are struggling with. These are the things I've struggled with. And so that belonging piece, that not having a voice, the not trusting voice, I had a traumatic situation as a kid. I was molested by a gymnastics coach. And so the trust factor of trusting my voice, of trusting that somebody was even going to believe me when I told them that happened to me. All of those pieces really lead us to the why and the how we're doing what we're doing in coaching. I think the cornerstone probably was that COVID hit and we'd been traveling 260 days a year for nearly 10 years doing these amazing relationship marketing programs for very big clients. And they were all tied to celebrities and creating cool experiences that were really about connection, touch, living into a space of just incredible curation. And from all of that, when COVID hit, we realized what would be another way to serve people in a way that creates an experience that helps them move to another level in their lives. And so that was really the cornerstone. So we got our certifications and and then hit a TEDx stage and have <laughs> now been in 14 collaborative books with incredible people from Sharon Lecter and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Greg Reed, and all these other incredible humans, and Forbes Riley, and just amazing people. And then to now have our own book. And so it all really has been this build that has been not necessarily part of my plan. 
(laughs) It's evolved. It's really evolved. And so how have these experiences then helped shape the Maris you are today, both personally and professionally, would you say? So my silence here is emotion. I am... It's not possible to be present in your life and not have every experience shape us. So it's never just about the experience. It's really about how we either react or respond to that experience that shapes our lives. And so when we talk about living into the R factor and these four universal rhythms, respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience, all of those pieces, when we live them in a cycle, when we live them in rhythm, the experiences that we have become something we respond to and they become a part of the weave of our life. So yeah. So how did all these experiences look? I had a tough father and what did I learn from my tough dad? I learned how to communicate clearly with my words, which I was fearful to do until I got into my adulthood. That shaped me in a lot of beautiful ways, knowing that having a voice is important and that it's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Is it coming across respectfully? Is it coming across from a space of responsibility? How are we coaching ourselves in that? So all of these experiences, I went through the Northridge earthquake in my first marriage, and that was the earthquake of my life, right? It changed everything in my life that we survived it. So I look at that experience and I think I'm grateful for all of that because those are really the seeds that have kind of woven what my life is in its tapestry and the integration. So yeah, I think it's all shaped us and we get to continue learning from that and not allow the energy of those experiences to hold us back, to pull us back, but to let go of that energy to allow it to propel us forward in possibilities. And so what would you say then was the biggest lesson or takeaway for you from those experiences? Learning to trust yourself first. That's a big one. Right? Because in our work, when we talk about these four rhythms, respect, very often we were taught growing up how to respect other people. Not so often have we been taught to say first, respect ourselves. And once we start to respect ourselves and see ourselves for possibilities and all of that, then we begin to trust. And it's learning to trust our instincts, not trusting a feeling of fear. So I think trust is really huge. I also think facing something, acknowledging something. So I want to share something with you that I hope your, your listeners will also be able to use at home. We all have emotions and things that come up all day long, potentially hourly for some who are navigating five children or a classroom or an office or whatever it is. We're all navigating no matter what. Your navigation is whatever you're navigating. So what happens when something comes up is what? We either have that feeling of anxiety. We either have that feeling of angst, anger, frustration, fear. So there's an immediate opportunity right there. And it's called face it. Freely acknowledge current emotion. Face it. Because when we face it, we can stop, take that all-powerful, mighty, gorgeous breath that we came into the world with, and oh, by the way, forget to use on a regular basis. We take that breath, we stop, and we just face what we're feeling. And then we invite what we're feeling to the curb. You know what? You're not serving me right now. And we step in to our trust. Now I trust where I get to go now. That is powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Maris. What is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? 
So I think for a couple of reasons, as Ken and I have stepped into not just the coaching space, but the keynote and the author and the workshops and really in whatever way we can serve, there are a number of really unique approaches to what we're doing. And whether or not I'm doing this or Ken and I are doing this together or Ken's doing it, we are really focused on relational leadership, which is not about your business life or your personal life. It's about one life, one big life. Relational leadership is really unusual. Most people who are looking at their life and saying, I really want to be in a couplehood. I'd love to be in a couple hood like yours. That's possible. And in order to figure out if that's possible, we get to go back to how are you currently operating? How are you showing up in the rhythms? Are you respecting yourself? Are you showing up respectful with others? Are you really looking at responsibility? And what are the words you're saying to yourself in your head? Are you being responsible to yourself in your head? How are you now living that with other people? Then stepping into reframing. The reality is that when we look and we hear, we meet someone else where they are, we reframe and all kinds of benefits happen. And then this resilience piece, look, we're all going to fall. We're all going to stumble. And what's the first thing that happens if you're in the water and you fall down in the water? What do you do right away? Immediately when you fall down in the water, you stand up. If you panic, you're in reaction. If you stand up, you're in response. So the standout for us in our work is that we really work across all areas of your life. We really focus on these four universal rhythms. We also weave in the creativity piece and explore what's your relationship with creativity? What's your relationship with finances? What's your relationship with time? What's your relationship with yourself? Yeah, what do you want that to look like in one. your family and in your business? So these are really the elements that make us different. And as we bring that into our keynotes, our workshops, people also really love that we also together that we bring the male female piece yeah. because not only can I been together 20 years as a couple, we've been living, loving, working, playing together in business as well. And we choose that every day. What would you say are three of the most important lessons you've learned in your career as a coach? Listen. And when you think you're listening, breathe and listen some more. <laughs> Because it's really in the listening and the presence. So I'm going to say present listening. Because how many of you out there, when I say present listening, are guilty of listening to someone to be sure you respond properly so you're formulating their answer? Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what I would say 95% of people, that's how they listen is yeah. to prepare for that response. They listen just to respond. And we have yeah. to shift that. Yeah. So present listening is one of the, is one of the biggest. The other really also sits in these four R's because we've, in the research that we've done over the years, heads of state, celebrities, mothers, fathers, entrepreneurs, these four relationship rhythms are really the guide to life. And so I think we came by them naturally. So I'm going to put them in. I know you said three, but I'm going to put them. When we respect ourselves, we show up better for others. When we are responsible, communications clear, expectations are aligned, life is good. We're not yeah. all stepping all over each other. When we're reframing and we let go of our attachment to a trauma and we hear somebody else's perspective, everything shifts. So collaboration is possible. And then in resilience, when we stand up and step forward, and here's the big one, ask for support. That this is a big lesson. Huge, because we have been conditioned and taught all our lives that asking for help is a sign of weakness. You're supposed to do this yourself. You're supposed to be able to. That's complete bullshit. It's the exact opposite. I think that not asking for help is a sign of weakness. Asking for help and support is a sign of strength. Yeah. And that was one of my biggest challenges up until recent years. I used to think that vulnerability was a weakness. And now I, I recognize and coach it as a superpower. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely yeah, so yeah. it is. So, yeah, we so. can't do anything in this life alone and you're not meant to. We're not here to do things alone. As you're not meant to do entrepreneurship, life, nothing. You, We are meant to do it collaboratively in community. And I think we've lost a sense of community. I think we've lost sight of that. And we need to get back to that. It's you know, so important. You, it's you key. You said this to me before in our preliminary conversation. I And I want to challenge you a little bit on this. Yeah, sure. Because COVID created a space of permission for people to recognize they were tired and to come into a different space of connection. So you're saying we've lost connection. Interesting. I would say connection and connecting has shifted and we have a different sort of authority and space around it that definitely could use some work. But I want to challenge you here. So I want to hear you on this. Because I look around my neighborhood, my community where I live, people don't even talk to their neighbors. They don't even know them. They don't know anything about them. And when I think back to when I was a kid, that was all we did. My my mom babysat children in the neighborhood. The parents knew each other. They connected. They helped. They supported each other. There's not that sense anymore. I don't see it. I think we've lost sight of it. Because everyone's so focused and fucking siloed and so worried about themselves and what they need to do that they, they've got blinders on and they don't see anything outside of their world. People have become very self-centered. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in some ways COVID has also allowed and cultivated that space, right? That, yeah. I mean, I, I would say we really called this our pandemic pause and it was truly yeah. the most crowning transformation for us because we had been traveling for so long. And for us... We were really, especially as we were really working in the transformational leadership space, the idea of being able to create connection and breakthroughs and transformation was something that was really very personal for us to be able to work with people in that way. And in a lot of ways, taking some of that leadership and that interest, it's what I said before, we're all connected as humans first. That's the bottom line. So does it really take a crisis for us to reinvigorate that connection? And, and what I'm really hearing you say is on a daily basis, can't we all just choose gratitude and kindness? Yes, right? absolutely. It's, so I challenge. Of- so here's my challenge. Yeah. My challenge is for everybody who is listening for the next week, because once you do it in one week, I promise you will want to do it more. So for the next week, I invite you to step into this gratitude practice, to take the time in the morning, to have gratitude for yourself, then share that gratitude and ask someone in your family or on your team, tell them what you're grateful for in them and ask them what they're grateful for. Allow that space. So do this for a week. Okay, in the morning, and I also invite you to do it at night. So we bookend our day with it as well. Yeah. And at the end of the week, notice how you're choosing, what you're choosing during your day, and how that has shifted from what it might have been outside of this practice. So that's the other big lesson is we always have a choice. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I'm not saying that the connections weren't created or forged as a result of COVID and what we were forced into. Absolutely. I mean, we're able to connect with people all around the world more so. I mean, the technology was there, but it was in its infancy. I think we didn't really utilize it for what we got to utilize it for. So yes, it was there. And I remember reading an article just when COVID hit. And it was talking about the fact that this has been, an it's an incredible gift. And I believe that COVID was a gift. It really was. And again, I'm not saying that there wasn't a lot of loss and heartbreak and financial purse, all of it. Absolutely. You cannot deny that. But I think that if we flip the narrative on that and we look at it through a different lens, the fact of what a fucking gift it was for every, there was so much good that came out of it. There truly was. But 
when I read that article, it was talking about, yes, this is a gift, but it's going to, once we get through this, people, for the most part, because we're human beings, we're creatures of habit, we're going to go right back to the way we behave. And I knew that was going to happen. And that's exactly what I'm seeing. We are going back to those old ways. A lot of people are. So yes, the connections were made. There was a sense of community, I guess, for the time being, but I just think it's been lost. I really do, because I see around my neighborhood, people don't know each each other people don't talk they it's sad you know your neighbors you know your neighbors i do i do yes i do yeah Yeah. we spend time with our neighbors on this side and across the street we do absolutely it's important you have to community is key yeah i think it's part of the foundation for life for everything we need that and i think we're craving it for sure but people are so stuck in their own shit that they can't see outside of it well, I think, you know, out. it's interesting. It's the reality is that there isn't one day on the planet that we aren't connected to someone or something. From the time we wake up in the morning, we're on our yep. phone, we're yep. check the phone, check the mail, check the dog needs to go out, the kids <laughs> need to get fed up, and all before we ever get in our car or in a vehicle to go do yep. wherever, right? So the fact is, that's why we talk a lot about setting the rhythm of your day and sort of choosing that because the reality is that our days, no matter what, sometimes they're head banging, sometimes they're smooth, yep. like cool jam. I mean, it really just depends. <laughs> If throughout the day we choose connection, and so sometimes it might be as simple as popping by somebody's office and saying, hey, I was just thinking about you. Hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Sending a text to somebody. There it's you go. reaching someone in a language that they can communicate in not forcing your process on them and really creating. And it's something that's very simple. And so part of my challenge to you all this week, as you're also doing your gratitude practices to also every day, at least once connect with someone you've not connected with in a while, whether or not it's a text, it's a, Hey, just sending you a fun picture, whatever it is, one per day for the next seven. Yep. Maris, I ran uh, a challenge back in December. I called it the 30 day voice note challenge. And so I challenged the people in my community on my friends list to send just one voice note to one person. You can send as many as you want, but the requirement was you send one to one person every day for a month. And you wouldn't believe the feedback I got from people. So powerful. That was incredible. It was beautiful. The messages that they were receiving because of the messages they sent. And it just created this beautiful container and ripple effect. And it was phenomenal. There was so much joy. And I I thought, what a way to end the year and to leap into 2023. It was just phenomenal. People yeah. loved it. Love it. I love it. And it's such a simple, right? It's, I think it's what you said it before. And that is in part that people have this sense of, okay, this is our new normal. Got yeah. it. And I think once people got past the point of saying, let's get back to normal, because you know we kept saying, we don't do backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't do backwards. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, I think people are coming back to center. I think we're also finding that people are again, feeling that sense of burnt because they're now kind of working so quickly. So my sense though, even in the work that we're doing in our workshops and as we're speaking to people is that people want that feeling back. They want to still be in that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so it's the question of what does it take to create that? And the truth is in part, it's why we're doing all this work with the R factor because it's so simplistic. Just when we're talking about communication, just when we're talking about it's in the morning texting someone in your family and saying, so grateful for you today. It's why Ken and I started naming the days of the week because it pulled us into focus also with our clients also. And it just helped people rally around a theme, motivation Monday, 
Thankful Tuesday, Wisdom Wednesday, Take Action Thursday, Flow Friday, Surrender Saturday, Fun Day Sunday. It takes 30 seconds out of your day to send them out. It costs you nothing, not a dime. And you can change the trajectory of someone's entire day. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. it's such an incredible gift to be able to do that for someone. Yeah, and it, it ma- really is. It, not only does it make them feel good, but it makes you feel good. It's just incredible. I love it. I absolutely love it. What's funny because on on that note, one of the things that's coming forward for me as we're talking about making someone else feel good is also in the rhythm of resilience. So we were connecting on that about so resilience is not a lone wolf. No. It's not a lone wolf scene. And I literally was a lone wolf for most of my life because right. it was just the whole well, I can't do it myself. Then clearly. And that was really my, some of my own issues that I, yeah. that I was really, and one of the things that's really important about what you just said is that really it's the inviting someone else. So what happens when we share with someone, we're also inviting them into a place of empowerment. So even in the space of resilience, when we allow support we're also being generous and allowing other people to serve us in a way that's also really empowering for them. So that's been a big lesson for me over the years. And it's always that there's always meaning in a connection when we put our heart and presence into it. For and sure. so, and yeah, sometimes it's painful, but those also are opportunities to be able to see ourselves and work it through and connect grow in another way. <laughs> now you've worked with CEOs, leaders, innovative minds and leadership. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on what the difference is between an expert, regular leadership, and thought leadership. Okay. So I think regular leadership, and and again, we talk about this in our work, we are all leaders. Now, if we were to ask, and we do this consistently, as we ask our audiences, raise your hand if you see yourself as a leader. Unless we are in a conversation with leadership and specifically dealing with executive CEOs, at least three quarters of the room does not raise their hand. So then we step back and say, okay, so what is leadership? So what is leadership? Leadership is being responsible for yourself, putting one foot in front of the other, paying your bills, feeding your, like that is all part of leadership. We are leading our lives every single day. So leadership, I think, comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. So from a standpoint of just, I am leading, I'm leading my life, I'm leading a team. Leadership is about qualities that create connection, relationship, and communication from the inside out, right? So that's basic leadership. And to move that into action with commitment. So that's leadership in any area of your life. Now, that exponentially grows when you're talking about the head titans of industry and the heads of churches and the heads of states and the heads of athletes and all of that. It grows from there. But there is a core that really anybody in life has that leadership of themselves as a capability. Are you then a leader in your business? That's very different. So it starts with self. Then I think from that place, it's about building, are we building an expertise? If we're building an expertise, then we have a niche around which we are really delivering some really important knowledge, information, guiding people in that, receiving in that. So that's an expertise. In our work, for instance, we are, our work is relational leadership. It's all about the personal, the connections, the building of the business, all the human factors that drive your business forward and that drive your family forward. It's all the same thing. So that's an expertise. The thought leadership space is really about creating thoughts and ideas that become much bigger and are much more connected on a larger scale that people are tuning into, either the individual thought or the big thought, Isaac Newton, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek. We're looking at all those types. So that is the thought leadership is initial thoughts, building a collective premise idea that is really, from our perspective, connecting globally. 
So that's our perspective. Do you align with that? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I would agree. Totally. What do you consider to be the essential traits of a successful leader? So I'm going to go back to these four R's. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and I am because it's what we're seeing. It's what we're seeing. It's what we know. And one, I think that great leaders respect themselves and others. They're good listeners. They're present. They're accountable. That's where responsibility steps in. And so they're respectful. They're responsible. They're accountable. Clear communication aligned expectations. So expectations without agreement create premeditated resentment. So really aligned communication expectations, the ability to really hear and see somebody where they are so that feedback is delivered in a language that they understand and that they can resonate with. I also think that being able to accept feedback as neutral is equally important as a leader. And probably most important is to really lead with heart, to lead with humanity first, because that's really where the bottom line is going to be impacted is when your people feel valued and you can bring that forward, then rising above anything, then being able to step through issues, then being able to communicate, collaborate, connect, it's all there. And so that's probably the big bow on it is really starting from a place of humanity first, because That's where head and heart leadership works. We drive with the human, the instinct, the intuitive, and we put that together with all the knowledge and that really builds prosperous and thriving businesses. What is one tip or takeaway that you could provide that listeners can implement immediately to start stepping into and embracing their inner leader and begin owning it? The first thing I would do is have a morning practice, whether or not it's the four G's, it's the gratitude, the morning practice and consistency. So I think the most challenging thing for all of us is consistency. And when we know our why, so when I know that I desire something and I really want to get there and I really want to raise money for that car, I really want that new job. I really want to build my business to this next level. I really want to be in a loving relationship. Keeping your eye on that clearly and knowing the why that's important to you, not just I want it because I want it doesn't create action. So from a place of saying, I want something, believing it and really trusting that, stepping into that and really from that place, building a plan of action and every day, one more action because that consistency will absolutely drive any steps forward to reach whatever your ultimate goal is. Thank you for sharing that. Maris, I know you being a master connector, obviously you are of the mind and we've said this many times already, relationships are an integral and foundational piece to business and to life. So with that being said, we know that relationships go beyond transactions and become partnerships. How can businesses shift from a transactional mindset to a partnership mindset where customers feel genuinely valued and engaged as a long-term business ally. It's an interesting time in our marketplace to really look at what's happening culturally in businesses. And let's also be really fair. Businesses and what they've been through in terms of figuring out hybrid, not hybrid, half home, yeah. not you know, what am I doing? Businesses get some grace in what they've yeah. been through the last number of years for sure, yeah. let alone the hospitality community, but just from a corporate community and from an entrepreneurship community. So I think that the bottom line to all of this is When we stand in our humanity first, when we create connection first as to know what we're solving for, so whether or not it's a business who is Ford, whether or not it's an entrepreneurship business that is sweeping streets, always know what you're solving for because that's the human issue. So if we go back now to not just saying my bottom line is this, my bottom line is this, and we step back and say, what's happening in our customer base? 
what's happening in our staff base, what's happening in our family base. So it's shifting a bit to really looking at from a, a personal business space than from a straight numbers only space. And that's been a big movement in organizational development, in human behavior. All of this work is really around behavioral leadership. And it's why we're focused on relational leadership, because all the pieces we're talking about will shift someone's business. It really comes down to how do you communicate differently to help your customers feel that you care about them? It's not just putting an offer out there for $50 off of something. We're a little over that. We're very coupon fatigued and promo (laughs) fatigued. We just aren't. Yeah. But if you come to me and say, how would a relaxing weekend with your family be just 30 minutes from home at a price that would be the price of two for four? Okay, interesting. 30 minutes from my home, relaxation, special offer. Got it. Interesting. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because you touched me first. Yeah. So I think it's a shift of perspective on how we're communicating, what needs we're meeting, and really realigning all of that. And that's actually the work we're doing in the corporate setting right now is with their teams, with all of it, kind of looking at all those pieces. Again, we've touched on this briefly, authenticity. We're hearing this word all the time now when it comes to leadership, and it's often quoted as a vital element in relationship marketing. And we keep hearing it when it comes to leadership and business. So how can businesses authentically connect with their customers and communicate their brand values and mission in a way that resonates and fosters genuine connections? This really builds on the last question, right? Yeah. It is, it's the human piece. It is really the human piece. And part of, I think, the human piece of this is, look, there's always a human condition. People want more. We want to buy more. We have FOMO. And this will continue to be a shift. We, we know this will continue to be a shift because we are very often marketing. We're marketed to, but we're not marketed with. So I want to really call this forward. When we're in relationship to someone or something, It's very one-sided, right? So someone's talking at me about their product. Yeah, okay, not so much. Now, if I'm in relationship with you and so our conversation is an exchange and we're communicating and I'm hearing where you are and you're hearing where I am, what happens? We work together, we come together. It's a collaborative thing. Yeah, there's a move forward. So I think in part, businesses seeing their audiences, number one, as themselves, because they are the consumer. So if you don't treat your audience like yourself as the consumer, so that's number one. Number two is the being tuned in to how best people hear you. And so understanding that I connect, one of the things we're seeing now more and more is in a resurgence, if you will, of some of this cause-related marketing, some of the issues, which I think is really important on some level because there's never going to be enough public money to address our issues. So really in the corporate space, the importance of public and private partnerships also really help your audience if they really see, and this is not a one-time spending money on a marathon. This is really supporting causes in the community supporting hunger and homelessness. You're going to like really connecting and being more of a community partner than just a global leader. So connecting in a very different way is very important and connecting with the people who are both your audience and your staff. Now, I want to jump in and start to discuss a little bit about your TEDx talk and that whole experience. Now, getting a TEDx talk is a big dream and goal for a lot of people. Was this something that was a bucket list item for you? Like, did you want this? Was this something you really desired? Yes. Okay. 
And so a couple of things around it was interesting. One, I had this vision a number of years ago as Ken and I were doing some of our work. And I, I came out of this intense weekend workshop and I had this vision of Ken and I on a stage and writing a book. Now, mind you, this is about 15 years ago. And I am very much an intuitive leader. So I kept seeing this and kept seeing this and kept seeing this. And Ken and I, over the years, we've had such an incredible relationship. People for years kept saying to us, wait, you work together? <laughs> and then they'd come in closer. And then they'd say, how does that work? And then the next question would be, and how do you have a personal life and not kill each other during this whole thing? <laughs> and funny how they just then step into the whisper. You know, it's yeah. just, and we laughed about it over the years. And what we realized was there's something here because even our clients had said, there's something really fun and connected between you. So how that whole thing happened was that Ken finally, he said, you know what? I see your vision. I see it. So then let's take it to a TEDx stage. And so we'd already been doing our work in the R factor and yeah. the relationship rhythm circle. And yeah. so we thought, what a really cool way. What if we brought that idea? And so the idea was when you use these four universal rhythms and you choose the rhythm in your life and every day you step into that space, then isn't that really the way to heal the planet? And what if everybody on the planet every day chose gratitude, kindness for just one day? What would that look like? Oh, so that be, was really kind of what incredible. our whole... It would shift the vibration of the entire world. That sounds like utopia to me. It's, it's incredible. It really well, is. And by the way, we have that power. We do. We have that power. Yeah. We That's do. what's we all, so interesting. For sure. We need to step outside of ourselves long enough to realize that it's there. And by you doing your part and sharing that, it creates that ripple effect. And other people, it's like a permission slip. Other people see that they can do it and it just ripples out and then it just comes to be. Yeah. But you have to start with you. As we've said, everything starts here within ourselves first. You have to begin with the foundation of self. Period. It's an inside out job. Yeah, for sure. It's an inside out job. And and we say the choices we make all day today shape our future. Your TEDx talk was called Mastering Connection with Relationship Rhythm. Can you share a little bit about your talk and the inspiration for the talk? So the inspiration was, as I'd said that Ken and I over the years got asked this question a lot. And people also always said to us, wow, how do you just connect different pieces? And we said, well, because connection is where every relationship starts. So first it starts with a desire. What do I want? And so the idea of what do I want is I want a relationship. I want to be in a marriage. I want to have a great business. I want to have new staff. I want to have a thriving community. So it starts with that. And so we looked at our life and said, is there something here? <laughs> and that was really, so the way the R factor was born and why we brought that to the TEDx stage was because we were finding that there were key rhythms that worked for us in our couplehood. And did that really work for other people? So we really pulled hundreds of people and recognized that these were the four key rhythms. And so the inspiration for this talk was we wanted to write a book. We had not written a book yet. We had been in a number of books in a series with Habitude Warrior that were all kind of leadership-centered-ish, these collaborative themes, really phenomenal stories. And that was a great start. But we had in our head a book and a TEDx because what if we brought this idea and we could spark healing relationships in business and personal lives all over the planet? Yeah. What could that look like? So that was kind of our, our spark for it. And that we thought that we really felt like there was a book in here somewhere. Yeah. And so the book came out in March after the TED Talks. So we did the TED Talk last fall, TEDx Talk. Beautiful. Again, a great segue into you being, you're an author. 
and like you said, you've participated in multiple books on leadership, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the book that you and Ken wrote. So the book is called The R Factor. Um, it's, it's available on Amazon or you can you know go to our site and just look up our last names, Ken Ashby and Mara Siegel. The book tracks two individuals who are these peak performing individuals. One is a big concert producer and the other is a big finance guy by day and a songwriter by night who's wanting to flip that. He's <laughs> wanting to be a full-time songwriter. And so it really tracks their lives and everything going on in their lives and how they find their lives personally and professionally out of sync. They meet each other along the way. They go through their own thing. And what they recognize is they identify and discover these four universal rhythms, respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience. And when they start to shift their mindset and how they operate in their lives in those spaces, everything changes for them and they recognize how it changes. And so this story is really about when your life is out of sync, that is possible to put it back in sync. And these universal rhythms really help evolve our relationships. And they find their friendship in each other and people are finding themselves in each other. It's really been fun to actually have people come back to us and say, oh my gosh, I'm marking the pages. I'm holding this. I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm sending this. My whole team has it now. We're all talking about it. And it's just been humbling, really humbling. And for Ken and I to do it together has just been such a gift. Yeah. Just such a gift for us and to bring it forward together and to give it life and breathe it life. And truthfully, the life that comes into it is having it serve people, having yeah, people come back it. and say, oh my gosh, thank you. I just got the tip and thanks for the quote in that chapter. And thanks for the quote in that chapter. That's beautiful. That yeah, it's fun. truly it's magical fun. and beautiful. Maris, what do you think your unique skill set and superpower is that's helped you become successful? So one of the things I dislike the most is talking about myself in that way. <laughs> and that's been one of my breakthroughs. So I would say that my intuition, my relational leadership and my intuition, I'm a very much an intuitive leader and really work to cultivate that in other people. Because very often people think that what comes up is intuition is fear. And so very often, and so it's not that. So cultivating instinct, intuition, also really seeing people and what's possible for them and allowing a safe space to rise to that, to come into that space. Because very often we don't see in ourselves what other people see in us. And sometimes we poo it. But to allow yourself a space to honor that someone else. And the truth is, as a 20-year-old, when I um, took a position with the Olympics for the Olympic torch relay, I was the youngest on that team. And there were not very many of us, like 15 of us, I think. And I was scared crapless. And all I kept thinking was somebody else must be seeing something and I'm going to get to rise to it because I don't know what they see. <laughs> and I remember that first moment of feeling such pride that somebody saw something in me. And then you get past the fear of, oh my gosh, what if I'm not good enough to get through it? I don't want to disappoint them. So I think that, and I think also really, especially as Ken and I do this work when we're doing it together, it's really supporting teams and individuals to align with their own vision and then understand the path and the commitment and the accountability to get there. And so speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? How do you define success? I'm going to be honest that I don't love the word success. Okay. I think success is benchmarked. I think success puts people in a headspace of wanting to get there, but not honoring where they are first in this step in the presence of where we are. So I think probably when I think about the definition of it, one, I'm not going to use that word success. What I'm going to say here is when we accomplish all day long, all the time, and we set our sight on vision. So when we declare what we want and we set our sight on vision, then the milestones and the accomplishments all lead up to 
the completion and the acknowledgement of that moment in time. So that is really <laughs> what is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before you learned it and what was your life like after learning it? Trusting my instincts. Because I think that at the earliest times, I remember knowing things that scared me a little bit, just instinctually, the sense of feeling. And early on in my life, when I was probably maybe about eight years old, my grandmother had said to me, who was very intuitive, she had said to me at one point, you have a gift and it's something that will scare you until you understand how to use it in your life. Don't let it scare you. Just be curious. So I think the notion of curiosity, really being curious in my life has been really important because when you're not curious, you immediately see a wall. But when you're curious, you step into, I'm curious and I'm going to trust myself to take this step forward. And then that little voice that says, huh, one more step. Okay, I've already taken one. I'm going to trust myself to take one more step. And those trust steps, the curiosity step, the steps into action, those are all the steps, intuitive steps. They're yeah. really that trust that builds all of our confidence growing yeah. up. And so I think that's really probably one of the most crucial. And the other is really understanding unconditional love. Because I think before I understood it, I always thought it came with expectations, and what I realized was that love without expectations, just being in a space of love opens yeah. doors to so many other things. And unconditionality of love, when there were moments in my, with Ken as my husband and my business partner that I would think, oh my gosh, how is he putting up with my craziness right now? But in that unconditionality that I can then say, I'm wrong. And to accept unconditional love and to know that we're worthy of it, that's just a birthright. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Allowing a generous space for exchange and connection where all parties involved feel their value. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Right. How would you describe yourself in one word? Loyal. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Listening. Being what a listener. What what is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My intuition. What is your favorite self-care practice? Connecting with my husband. <laughs> yeah, that is the truth. Yeah. Is that whatever, wherever we can be in a space together, it's just this, there's this quiet space. Sometimes it's playful. Sometimes it's silly. Sometimes it just is. So I would say that. And the other, I would say that if it was just for myself is sitting on a beach. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> if you could step into my shoes, what question would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? What are you still learning? Okay, go ahead. I know I want you to answer it. <laughs> I don't know what you're still learning. <laughs> I'm asking you the question now. What are you still learning? <laughs> I'm still learning to trust myself, to, to just let things unfold. I'm learning to not overthink because I'm a classic overthinker. So I'm trying to unlearn that. So I guess learning and unlearning. So that's where I'm at right now. But most, most importantly and, and is the trusting. So ditto, we're, but we are in good company. And yes, <laughs> I think that, I think what I am still learning is I am still learning me in a lot of ways. And what's been over the last number of years has been this uncovering in many ways and this notion of rhythm and where things are out of sync and really connecting with the why are they out of sync? What's yeah. in the gap in that? 
And so this practice of the R factor practice and these four universal rhythms are, it's this constant learning and telling and mirror because everybody we come into contact with are mirrors for us. Yes. This conversation you and I have had today, we're connected because we feel this connection to each other. In your questions, I see me. In my responses, you see I you. I see you. Right? And that's the beauty of that. And so, yes, I'm still learning me. I'm still learning also how to be more humble, how to be more patient. I think those are constant learnings and first with self. Yeah, for <laughs> Just... sure. Like we said, everything starts with self. So yeah. what aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? I think my ability to connect with people, to connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime, and just create a safety there. What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Be true to yourself. Absolutely. I mean, again, it speaks to that authenticity piece. Be And it's, again, it always comes back to self. It starts here at home. And sometimes being true to ourselves really means taking ourselves on. and Calling and ourselves out on our shit. <laughs> yeah. And doing it from a place, though, really not of judgment, but of recognition. Because back to that curiosity piece and love, yes. And I avoided myself for years. I just kept saying, well, if I'm helping everybody else, then that must be where my value is. And so I didn't take myself And I don't have years. to look at myself when I'm focused on helping other people. Yep. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? So two things. Okay. One is I have just recognized over the last number of years that anxiety has been a much bigger issue for me than I ever thought it was. I did not realize that. And it came up in a lot of different ways around actually how anxiety comes up and how we heal it. It comes up when we're not clear. It yeah. comes up when we don't feel like we have answers. So the way to really heal our anxiety is to take a breath and to come back to my why and my what. Where do I want to be and why? And always keep your eye on that ball because anxiety is never about the moment. Anxiety right. is always about what's happened before or what you're worried or about in the future. Yes, in the future, right? absolutely. So the bottom line is, we being present, being right here now. Which is, is a really... hard thing to do. It, it is very Absolutely. hard to get in the present, but we need to because living in the past, you're going to stay stuck there. You're going to end up staying stuck there and that's not serving you. Living in the future, worrying about shit that hasn't even happened yet, it's useless. It's a waste of time and it's a waste of emotion. It's a waste of energy, all the things. The only thing we have is right here, right now in this present moment because the future is not even promised to you. Exactly. So this is a, another great segue. What is your why? <laughs> My why is because I grew up in a family of love and connectivity and yes, had my own traumas and dramas, but I am very clear and Ken and I are very clear together that this planet gets to be healed and that relational leadership and tuning into self and really living into this culture of understanding that we are all connected as humans first. That's where the bottom line begins. So the why is if we can get through one day and heal one relationship at a time, and you can do that by making a phone call, then why not? And then day by day, call by call, all of these, it just, it continues, right? If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Malala. Yeah, because so I have continued to watch over the years, have, have been in all of these spaces and big cause and issues and working around the UN. And what's been beautiful about Malala is that from her youthful space, she's continued to rise as an adult in the exact same humanity that she started. 
and she's growing and learning and faltering. And I just, I love the presence about her and what she represents both for young people and for what's possible in adulthood um, on the planet and for young girls and for just leadership and resilience. Yeah. She is the ultimate of respect, responsibility, reframing, and resilience. It's the ultimate R factor life. It's beautiful. Love so yeah. And I have sat with some remarkable people globally over the years, and she is one that I have not had an opportunity to meet yet and look forward to at some point. Well, you spoke it out into the universe. So there you go. If you could go back, Maris, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Face your fears every time they come up. Otherwise, they'll hold you back and you'll keep allowing the energy to hold you back. Beautiful advice. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your tribe, your corner of the world, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? We have one life to live, one body, and one planet. And relationships are the most significant factor impacting and influencing every aspect of our lives. So if we can wake up in the morning choosing to be in response to something, to be kind to someone, to be in gratitude, and to recognize our full connection, why wouldn't we? Our brain can only prosper positive or negative at one time. Why don't we choose positive? Isn't it time for our relationships to take front and center on the global stage we call life? Beautiful. I love it. What a beautiful way to end the interview. Maris, thank you so very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your story, your journey. It's been an absolutely beautiful conversation. I love the flow of it. Fun, just so educational and beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you. I am too. And look, thank you for what you're doing because men in your position to be choosing to elevate and really support women who are rising and sharing voice is beautiful. And so I love that because I'm married to the same kind of human. And so I look forward to connecting us at some point as well. And um, thank you so much for the opportunity and and for what you're doing and for how you're showing up in the world because that's making a ripple. Thank you very much. I receive that and I really appreciate those kind and beautiful words. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I am so grateful. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Mara Siegel. She is a coach, a consultant, a philanthropist, master connector, author, and a TEDx speaker. Thank you so much, Maris. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.